Tuesday evening, once again, welcome everyone to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Looking forward to what Mother has for us this evening. Me and Phil are here with you tonight, and um, we'll get into what we're going to be talking about after just a moment here. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Phil, we're back here together on this Tuesday evening. How was your day today? I had a good day today. Um, just functional, learning, growing. Uh, but all in all, it was a good day. Well, to those listening in, as you can hear, that's a our typical male response. We give you the whole day in about five seconds, which obviously there's more detail and things, but no, um, and we've said this before, but like when we say the word good from the truth of God, meaning functional, meaning, you know, the things in faith that we have that we go through are, you know, look at the, you can look at them as functional or dysfunctional and, you know, hope everybody had a good day as well. And this here, where we're going to start out this evening is, uh, had this on my mind today while I was working and, and really it triggered something in my mind from if um, the notifications have been sent out for those who are subscribing, but we actually had a podcast that was done yesterday evening and um, check that out as well. Um, it was with Phil and Anna Ruth and uh, Phil's son, Andrew, and very informative, just some really good questions on talking about the topic of what people uh, talk about as premarital sex. And, you know, is that biblical? What is it? Those kind of things. And very good podcast. Check that out. And, it was really from this that I was actually, as I was working today, I was listening to it when I had some time in between calls and things and just had something stick out to me in my mind and something that I'm learning in faith as moving forward is whenever something comes to you that the lesson is for everybody, but it is for you. And even as they having the question that's because we start out a lot of times with a Socratic question, just thinking about this from, you can look at this from two different sides. And the question is, why are you not understanding as a question? And you could put this to somebody else, you know, you could go to them and say, you know, why just as a question to you, why are you not understanding? Is there something I can help you like from that perspective? And then it came to me pointing it back to myself of why are you not understanding, like giving understanding to somebody else. And I hadn't thought about that until it was about just coming over. And I thought of this because with the, with where you could go with this, you can take it on both sides. You can be in a place where you're not understanding something 
But then once you do understand it and you are applying it and continuing to move forward, then you can look at somebody else and then question yourself. Why are you not understanding? Meaning that if you're looking at somebody else and saying, I don't understand why you're not getting this. We've been over it and over it. Well, why are you yourself not understanding of that person? Is it because you're not understanding? And what it made me think of with this is it's so easy that as you go and because what we're talking about is the journey of faith in God, that when you go through life, and again, the focus is on faith in God, that we have a tendency at times to forget where we started because we end up at a place and we think that everybody should just be able to understand what we're talking about. And I'm sure that there's some of you listening that you have been listening to the podcast or listening. May you, you may come to one of these where he's just, I'm just not understanding this. Why am I not understanding what's going on? Cause I've been reading the Bible. I'm just, it's just not making sense to me. I'm not getting it. So we're going to start out from that perspective of it because then that'll help with, once you do understand something that then you can be understanding to somebody else because you can understand what you didn't understand. And then you can see where the other person is because you've been where they've been before. And that's just like with, if you see the speck in somebody else's eye and you consider the log in your own eye, then you're able to deal with it in a, a matter of fact, functional way. And you can help the person more than if you're not seeing it in yourself, then you're not going to be able to help them with the spec that you see because it's the log in your eye that's much bigger. So how this came to me was, and we had talked about this a few times, was in regards to um, the veil or a veil. And there's several scriptures about this in the word of God. And the one that was really coming to mind was because it came to mind, like, why are you not understanding something? One of the, one of the, well, the way the started was it came to me with a story in the New Testament where there was a man that was born blind and Messiah had, he had healed him, told him to go down, you know, to the water area and wash and, and he got his sight. And what spoke to me in this was you had the ones that supposedly were supposed to have understanding of the truth of God that were questioning this young man saying, you know, who healed you of this? How did you get healed of this? And he says, well, you know, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, he's the one that told me to do this and he healed me of my blindness. Well, how could this be? And he comes back at them as a matter of fact, well, you know that none of this could be done unless God was with him, that you know he's from God. Well, you need to tell us how it's done. And he keeps saying, he comes back and it's like, and this is not remembering it verbatim, that that is amazing that one that does the works of God, you don't know how he gets this power to do what he's doing. Do you want to be his disciple as well? And they come back at this man who supposedly they're supposed to understand. And you've been born and steeped in sin. How dare you lecture us was the response. And his parents didn't want to get involved because they feared the Jews. But they're supposed to have the teaching of God. They're supposed to have the understanding, the law, the prophet teaching, everything. But then you're pointing the finger at somebody else saying, you were born in sin. How dare you lecture us? But 
because of your cognitive dissonance and brainwashing and mind control, you're doing the same thing, but you're pointing the finger at him saying that, you know, you have no place for this because you're a sinner. Well, but you're doing the same thing. Why are you not understanding where he's coming from? And he's not understanding where you're coming from. All I know is this, you know, he made it clear to them, you know, where he comes from and what he does, I don't know, but I know this, I was blind, but now I see. And with that, it made me think of, okay, well, with the things of God, that if you're not seeking God with all your heart, if you're not on the journey of faith in Yah, then you're blind to the things of God. You are blind to it. And the only way that you can, or you're going to be able to see is if you turn to God. And it made me think of the veil, like a veil. You could look at a veil a couple ways. You could look at a veil as a covering, you know, just like if you go to a wedding, a woman, you know, has their wedding dress on and, you know, has a veil that covers her, her face, which is a covering until she sees her husband. And then the veil is lifted, taken away. So you can see her face. You can look at a veil, like a curtain, like a, a covering of something to, you know, keep something from being seen. And it was just speaking to me about, and just speaking from my experience at times, you get frustrated with other people or not understanding, you know, why do you not get this? It's right there in the word. It's so clearly there. Why do you not understand it? It's right there. You profess that you believe in God, that you've got this faith, but then it's right in front of you and you don't get it. Why is that? Why are you not getting it? And as I was thinking about this, it came to mind that Moses had this very issue with the Israelites, that when he spent time with Yah, that his face was glowing because of the countenance of spending time with God. And he put a veil over his face because the people didn't want to, to see it because they feared that situation. And Moses put a veil over his face. Now, when he went to talk to God, he took the veil off because their hearts were hardened and it wasn't for them to see that because they had hardened their heart. So it made me think of it's veiled, but it's not that you can't find it. It's just one of those things where like it's hidden in plain sight. But if you don't do what's necessary, if you don't seek with all your heart, then you're not going to find the truth of God because it's going to be veiled to you until you seek with all your heart. And we were actually given information on this by Yah that the tabernacle is a beautiful example of a veil and different veils that, and the thing is, is that we've come from a background of Christianity where, you know, when we were in it, that it would, they would point people right directly to the new Testament that, yeah, the old Testament is there, but the new Testament is where you need to start, go to John where you can understand it, you know, start in John or the, the gospels, you know, cause that's where you can really get it. And, but the word of God doesn't say for you to start in the new Testament word of God makes it clear that seek for me and you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Well, Yah gives us a picture of this is that when you seek them with all your heart, really you're seeking after Abba, the father first. And when you seek for him with all your heart, he will bring you to the tabernacle and with the tabernacle there's three different veils, which are, which are curtains. And what's interesting is, is that the tabernacle was in the wilderness and you had the actual uh, tabernacle itself 
and inside it you had the courtyard. Well, before you could even get in the courtyard, there was a curtain there that you had to go through, all right, which is veiled. So not anybody just coming along is just going to be able to just go into this tabernacle and go inside and look around, you know, that you would have to go through the first veiling first to get into the courtyard where you had the brazen altar for animal sacrifice. You had what's called the bronze laver, the basin for washing where you would, the priest would cleanse from when they had the animal sacrifice. And then you have another veil that would take you into, it was completely covered by fabric and curtains that the holy place where you would go inside there. And then there was another veil that was a covering from the holy place to the most holy place. And what's interesting with this is that you cannot go out of order. You don't go to the tabernacle and go to the backside where the Ark of the Covenant is. You must go through in the prescribed order. And that's why it's crucial with each part of the gospel message is speaking of a different veil that you go through to gain entrance into each part. And if any of it is out of order, just like if most of us have toys, remote controls, things that have batteries, you'll have maybe the two AA batteries, the two AAA batteries, whatever. If you don't put those batteries in the exact order, then it doesn't matter how much you want the remote to work. It's not going to work. And that's why it's so crucial when you see God with all your heart that you start out in the Old Testament because the Old Testament through the tabernacle leads you into each aspect of the gospel message in order. And you cannot go past and circumvent any of this order. You know, you have, you go to Abba first and then you go to the holy place, which is Messiah. And then you go to the most holy place, which is mother, the Holy spirit. And there's an order to it that you must follow. And not anybody can just go in. It's gotta be a specific order. And the reason that people can, it can make some sense to people. If you go into the new Testament and you look at it, the reason that you're not able to understand it, even though it's right there in front of you is because you're not following the prescribed order of God, because you must come to Abba first so that he can open the curtain for you so that you can see into the courtyard and see, okay, can you see that this faith is about sacrifice, that the sacrificial system is a part of faith? that you must sacrifice yourself. You must be willing to give everything and you must be cleansed. You must walk in repentance because if you don't look in that bronze labor and reflect on yourself and see that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, you're not going to repent and continue with cleanse yourself so that you can have your sins forgiven. Then as Messiah himself even said, nobody comes to me unless the father draws him or her you cleanse yourself through repentance, then Abba will say, okay, now we're going to take you to the next veil. Now you're going to come to my son, and now Messiah will welcome you into the holy place where you have the golden lampstand, you have the showbread and the various dishes and pots, you have the altar of incense, and isn't it fitting that Messiah talked about prayer? And when you pray, go into your secret place. And close the door. You know, you're in this veil where you have the altar of incense. Go before Yah. And here's how you should pray. In this mindset, you should pray. And as you continue on in the journey, 
and even Messiah, that when he died, it says that the veil, which is his body, was torn from top to bottom, the, the curtain to the Holy of Holies. Messiah doing that made the way into the next veil, which is can be opened up to where you can meet Mother and be in the most holy place. And it's just a, it was just an interesting aspect because the Word of God says that the veil is over the hearts when the Old Testament is read because their minds, their hearts were made dull to this day. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So whenever you turn to the Lord, you turn to Abba. The veil is taken away. When you come to Yeshua and you turn to him, the veil is taken away. When you have circumcision of the heart, the veil is taken away. So now you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. And we have a just a beautiful picture of this process. And even says that the gospel message is veiled to those who are perishing. Well, find a place where you're not perishing to where it can be unveiled to you. So it was just really speaking to me about, because with the previous podcast about, you know, people have questions and then you take questions of people and they don't understand and the cognitive dissonance and everything. And it just came to mind that, wow, this message, Phil, that we have been taught by God, we were not taught this by man. We were not given this information in a book on a silver platter that said, hey, this is what it is. It was the same thing for us as we turn to the Lord the veil was taken away. They revealed, which the truth of God is given by revelation. Yah revealed and pulled back the veil so we could see. And even Paul himself said, I was not taught this by any man, but I was given by revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach. And if anybody remembers this from the scripture, when he was baptized and had hands laid on him, it's something like scales fell from his eyes. And interesting, you think about, well, think about a veil being lifted to where, how was he able to see when his eyes were open, when he was able to, when the curtain came back and do you see what you've been persecuting? You didn't see because it was veiled. Do you see now that you're persecuting me? Oh Lord, I didn't know that I was persecuting you. Okay. Well, we know, we know you didn't understand, but now get up and I'm going to tell you where you must go and what you must do. So those that are listening, listen to what is being said, but weigh this against the truth of God. Weigh it against the word of God. Seek God with all your heart. Seek it out with everything, and Yah will reveal this to you, that they will remove the veils so that you can understand this. Because if you're just depending on getting understanding of this, by I'm just going to listen to the podcast, and by listening, I'm going to get it. No. We're giving information to lead you to seek it out yourself. And when you do it, Abba, Yeshua, and Mother will lead you through all the steps, through all the processes, so that you can understand this truth that we understand. Because we didn't just all of a sudden just flip a switch and, well, yeah, we've talked about it enough, and then I just get it, I understand it. It's Yah will give you the insight and understanding to see, hey, do you see how this works? Do you see where this is here, do you see how this lines up? That it's not about man teaching this to you. It's about God teaching you through you seeking it with all your heart. And 
by God helping you, you can understand their truth by, as you seek it, they'll lead you to the next step. Like you, you focus on seeking with all your heart and they will lead you to the courtyard. Abba will lead you to the courtyard and you don't need to be, well, well, how fast is it going to go for, how long is it going to take for me to go through? Or is it going to be long or short? No, you just focus on him and seek him with all your heart and doing what y'all want you to do. And when Abba is ready, he'll lead you to the holy place. And then when it's the right time, you'll go to the most holy place. So it's just so interesting. I find that the information that you need for faith is there, but it's just like anything. It's a certain order that you've got to follow in order to just like with anything, you follow the direction step by step and you will find what you need for salvation. And truly when you seek with all your heart, in essence, you already have it. You just begin the journey of attaining it because once you set that journey in absolution, never turning back, salvation will be there for you as long as you don't turn back from it. So really in essence, you have it, you just have to go after it to actually obtain it in the end. So those are the thoughts that I had just starting out. And it was just speaking to me about that. Our dependency is not on people though. We do depend on people, but our dependency is on Yah and their teaching and their help to be able to understand their truth because they're the author of this and they know And I'm just bringing this out to encourage those that are listening. If there's something that you don't understand that keep looking at, keep looking into it and digging for it because Yah will show you as you seek with all your heart that, and even the word says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to that person. And wisdom, meaning that they'll give you situations where you can come to the heart knowledge of it. But this faith in God is, Yah has laid it out so specifically. And don't neglect the Old Testament. You know, a lot of you out there have been brought up that, you know, you go to the New Testament, it's about Jesus and it's about accepting him. But the Old Testament is where the process begins. It's where you're given the foundation to find this true faith in them. So I just encourage those that are listening that look at the Old Testament and even look at the tabernacle, you know, in seeking after this, because it gives you a step-by-step picture of the gospel message. And then when Messiah comes on the scene, even given a, a transformation from the physical part to the spiritual part of it so that you can actually walk through it and understand it. So Phil, those are the thoughts that I had uh, starting out on this and, Any thoughts that you may have on this? Yeah, there are, uh, again, many thoughts, uh, many different things going through the mind as you're talking. And it's interesting because when we talk about the veils and this, I want to make this statement here um, because the veil being lifted as is spoken in Corinthians, it's, and you, you just spoke to it, it's referring to the veil being a threefold aspect that there are technically 
three different veils that need to be lifted in order for the whole veil, meaning that all veils are taken away so that you can see, recognize, and be able to understand. And so it's important because it's the same thing that we talk about with the baptism. You know, the, the Bible says there's one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Yes. There's one, which is a unified baptism, which is you have to be immersed into the father. Then you have to be immersed into the son. And then you have to be immersed into mother, the Holy spirit. And even Messiah said, you're going to go out, uh, baptizing in the name of the father, in the name of the son and in the name of the Holy spirit. So that gives us the unified one baptism that once you've gone through all three, you've gone through the fullness of God, and therefore you have it. And in that same uh, pattern, you have to do the same thing with the veil to be lifted. When you, like you said, when you get the first veil lifted, you can't see into where the second veil is covering. And then when you get into the second place, you can't get into the, or you can't see into the third until you get past that veil. And the objective in it is that you go through the first veil with Abba, you go through the second veil with Messiah, and then when, once you finish that with Messiah, the circumcision of the heart now tears the veil so nothing of God is veiled from you. It doesn't mean that you're going to understand and see completely everything all at one time. That's not what it means. It means now you have the capability to see what God is about, why, they're, why they do what they do, and those types of things. And so as we're looking at this, it's important because somebody might argue that because we state that you need to start with the Old Testament. You, you need to have the fear of Abba, and then you can move on. Well, somebody might argue and say, well, didn't you just say the Scripture says that you can't understand what the Old Testament is about, but you're telling me to go to the Old Testament and why should I go to the Old Testament if I can't understand what it's saying? The objective is, is you have to go to it with the mindset of, let me see what I'm able to see. Because though there's a veil that covers the courtyard, you can be on the outside of the tabernacle and you can see that the tabernacle is there. You may even be able to see if you're a distance away that you may even be able to see that there's a, a, another tent in the middle or in the courtyard. And so you can see those things, but you can't understand them. And the things that you can understand are where you are. You can't have heart knowledge of something unless you've experienced it. So when you're standing on the outside of the tabernacle, you can see that the tabernacle is there. 
you can you can be told what it's about, what it's for. But until that veil is lifted that you can go into the courtyard, then you can't understand what's in there. So there's a veil that covers your understanding of, okay, well, when I can see through that veil, I see that there's a basin for washing. That, well, there's first the uh, brazen altar and then a basin for washing. And so, okay, I can see this now that these implements are in here. So I'm going to figure out what they're for, how, you know, how am I going to, and then God brings you and shows you what they're for. So you have that part, first part of the tabernacle where the veil's lifted, but you don't know what everything is about until it's explained to you. But now that you're in the courtyard, you can see it. And I'll put it this to, uh, worldly terms for today. Okay. And this will make sense to you when I bring it out. Sean, there's a veil that covers maintenance for Valley oil. And until you come and join the maintenance team at Valley oil corporation, there's a veil that covers your understanding of what goes on behind the scenes. Now you can look at, the Valley oil gas stations and you can see somebody working on something, but it's still veiled to you because you don't have any clue what's going on. You don't know how things are operated. You don't even have the ability to learn those things because you haven't gone past that veil of put in the application, go through the process. Okay. You're hired for the job. Now, when you're hired, that veil is lifted. So you can learn the maintenance part of it, but you don't know the ins and outs of the office work that goes on as far as it goes with that aspect. And so there's a veil that covers that aspect and you can't understand it unless you move to management. And so the concept, and it's the same thing with insurance, the insurance industry is veiled to me. I can only know what I know from the outside and from what you tell me. And so I can get some understanding, but if I want the veil lifted, then I have to come work for the insurance company that you work for. Then the veil's lifted. I don't know everything, but now I'm privy to all the information that I need for that specific position. If it's, you know, if it's claims or if it's uh, a special investigative unit or whatever it is, <clears throat> Yeah, once you get hired, okay, the veil's been lifted. Now you can see clearly when you're told, okay, do you see this here? Okay, this is what we do with this here, and we do it over here, and this is why we do it. And, oh, okay, wow, I understand that now. Well, you couldn't understand it before. So the objective is to understand what you can where you are. If you're outside the tabernacle, then the objective goal is to figure out on the outside of the tabernacle all the things that God did that show you that you should fear God. And when you fear God and you repent to God, then in your repentance, God opens a veil to the courtyard. 
that you get to go in, you get to see the brazen altar, but you don't know you've got to sacrifice yourself on it yet. You get to see the the uh, basin for washing, for cleansing, but you don't get to cleanse yet. There, there's We've got to teach you about these things, and we've got to show you through the life of Messiah how he fulfilled the sacrifice so that you can walk in his footsteps and then you sacrifice yourself, not from a physical taking your life here, but from a uh, spiritual or emotional taking your life away from the selfishness of who you are to the new being, the, the, the new uh, you. But when you're in that courtyard, you can only see those implements that are there. You can't see what's in the holy place. Too many people think that, well, when Messiah died, you know, the, the veil was torn in that big earthquake that happened. So that means that, oh, we can understand the Old Testament, but there's no, you can't. You have to walk through to the point that you have circumcision of the heart. When you have circumcision of the heart, that's what tears that curtain so it can't be repaired. And the only thing is that you can uh, do to get away from it at that point is for you to leave the tabernacle because the veil's been uh, torn and you've had entrance in. Now you're going to be removed from the tabernacle, never to be able to set foot in that tabernacle again, because in order for that to happen, Messiah would have to die again. And so you're just uh, setting him up to be an open shame that, he, you know, well, his, it didn't mean anything after I got into that holy place. And so it's just from a logical world perspective, you can't understand, or you, a veil covers your eyes with a job until you join. It's like you changed insurance companies and you knew what it was like in the one you were in, but there was still a veil that covered your eyes to the other insurance company because they operate uh, similar, but they also operate different. But you don't know those things until you get the employment. Now your eyes are open. You get to see you're, you're privy to the information that's there. But in order for you to understand what your manager does, then you would have to enter into a management position and then the veil for that would be open to you. And then if you were going to be the CEO, then you would have to find that position of the CEO. And then that veil would be lifted and then you could understand. But until you're where uh, you're in the midst of it, you can't understand. And that's what it's talking about, the veil. It doesn't mean that you can't see anything. What you can see is what's there in front of you. What you can experience is that what is there around you. And so when you see the tabernacle and you see the uh, fire by night and pillar of smoke by day, and you see how God treated those who were disobedient to him, and you know in your heart that you were disobedient to him, then that's going to bring you to a, a point of decision Am I going to repent or am I going to continue on this path that I'm on? And when I repent to God, that means I accept everything about Abba, meaning that 
I've already had the fear, and that's what's driving me to this decision, because if I don't get right with God, then I'm going to be punished. And that's what fear is all about. No matter what fear you have, that fear is about punishment. And so we have these veils, this threefold veil that gets lifted piece by piece. But in order for you to have that veil lifted, there's something you have to do. The The grace in it is the fact that the tabernacle is even set in there in the wilderness at all. It doesn't matter that you had a hand in building that tabernacle. The grace is that God said, no, I'm going to put this in place because this is a representation of the heavenly things. And I'm doing this because I'm giving you an opportunity. That's grace. So nothing you do is earning you anything, but there, but you must do these things and you must fear God. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay. Well, because that's going to uh, propel you. If you're seeking God with all of your heart, that's going to propel you to repent to God. When you repent to Abba, that's when the first veil is opened. Now you have entrance into the courtyard, but you have to learn what it's going to take for you to put yourself on that altar for you to die to self. And then once you die to self, then you have to be cleansed. And then Abba says, okay, now you get entrance into this. Here's my son. Okay. Now he's going to take you into the holy place, which is the obedience and he's going to teach you how to be obedient. And when you're in that place, you can learn how to be obedient because you're there, you're in there, you're watching what he's doing and you're following him and you're doing the same things he did. And therefore you are able to understand what the whole, the holy place is about. And the holy place is about obedience. It's about obedience in your mind because in your heart, we, we've said this before, sin is of the heart. And as long as you have sin in your heart, you can't change sin, but you can change your mind and set your mind in absolution. I'm going to be obedient to God no matter what takes place. I'm going to be obedient to God. And then once you make that uh, decision of obedience, now Okay, now we get to go through to uh, in the introduction to the spirit, and then you have your time with the spirit to learn to trust Yah, and then when you get to a certain level of trust, that's when mother gives you circumcision of the heart, tears the veil. Now you have full access to all of God, Abba, Messiah and mother, you have full access. And the only way that you can lose that is not that you lose it, but you choose to walk away from it. And therefore there's no return for you. And so it was just interesting. Those are thoughts that I was having as you were talking about this concept. And I, even before you started talking about the tabernacle that came to my mind and just thinking about the three veils 
that sit within the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a representation of the heavenly, which is you walking through that tabernacle spiritually so that you can get to the most holy place where you have the spirit of God in your heart. That means you have the the word of God written on your heart and you don't see everything, but you have access to see everything through mother. And it's the objective that mother takes that she decides when you need to see what you need to see. And our objective goal is just take it in, evaluate it, learn, and use it to continue to advance and grow because that's the objective goal. So if somebody says, well, I can't understand the Old Testament, so I need to stay away from it. I'll go to the New Testament. Well, you, the, what we're saying here is understand what you can from the Old Testament because if you just go directly to the New Testament, it's an absolute impossibility for you to understand what the New Testament is saying if there's not a base of the Old Testament. That, that's why all the writers of the New Testament were constantly referencing the Old Testament, the ways of God. They, Paul talking about how you should fear God when if God didn't spare his only, uh, his only or the, the children of Israel, his chosen people, how much more do you think you deserve to be punished if you don't uh, follow this salvation, if you reject such a great salvation? And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff that we talk about is not taught in mainstream church, and therefore people are accepting the fact that what these people are telling me, they think it's true. And like we had said before, we're not blaming the false prophets for anybody's position and condition without having true salvation in God, okay? The objective is they will answer for what they teach and they will be held at a really strict accountability, but you will be held accountable for what you accepted and what you agreed with. And so make sure whatever you agree with is not because it sounds good, but because it truly lines up with the word of God and it is the truth of God. That's a a complete necessity in the process of it. And so as you go along the journey and each veil is lifted, you, you get more knowledge and more understanding until you have, you hit that point of circumcision of the heart, which we talk about and people don't talk about circumcision of the heart. And what is circumcision of the heart? And uh, how do I know I have it? And those types of things. Well, if those aren't taught to people, then there's no way that they're going to be able to know unless they're seeking God with all of their heart. Because again, we learned about this. We learned about the details of this after we had already done these things. Mm -hmm. We have the ability now to help people to see and recognize what's necessary, but somebody doesn't need somebody else to tell them if there's nobody there, like in remote, Uh, villages and remote places, all they have to do is seek God with all of their heart and God will make 
well, God will make it clear whether he sends somebody, whether Messiah goes and visits them themselves, uh, just like Paul was visited by Messiah. God's got the power to go to those people if they're seeking with all of their heart. And that's the key factor is you start that process of seeking with all of your heart when you recognize God is real, the tabernacle is real, I want to be able to be in that most holy place where I have an intimate relationship with all the parts of God, not just one or two, that I have an intimate relationship with all of them, and therefore, I have nothing to worry about. I, I now, fear has subsided because... I am no longer an enemy of God, but I am a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, then God's going to treat me like he treated his very own son, Messiah. We're, we're sons and daughters by adoption. He was son by uh, the, the coming together of mother and Abba. Uh, so we are still in it by grace and the work that we do within the midst of it is still by grace. It's not the works gaining us anything because the opportunity was put there before we even came along to think about turning to God and doing these things. And so it's an impossibility that we could be uh, carried away by those things. Well, it was like you just said that the tabernacle in the wilderness is a representation of that which is in heaven. And it came to mind that when Messiah himself said, you know, the blood of bulls and goats, even though it was the law prescribed that you did not desire but a body that you prepared for me. Well, the body that you prepared for me was that I'm going to be the actual example of this, I'm going to be, I'm the picture of this tabernacle. I'm going to fulfill this whole thing. And it was interesting because there's just so much detail in this, just little pieces here and there. Cause think about with Cain and Abel that even in Genesis, why did they have come to mind to give a sacrifice? Because the sacrificial system was there that they would come and give a sacrifice. So that existed. And I had this come to mind with this. Okay. So when, the first veil is lifted when you have you come to Abba and you come into the courtyard, okay, that when you go to that basin for washing, it made me think of what it says in the New Testament where it says that baptism is not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience towards God, that it cleanses you through the resurrection of Messiah from the dead. So it made me think of that basin for washing is that your pledge of a good conscience that you circumcising your heart, which is your mind, to cleanse yourself so that then Abba will take you to Yeshua to the next step because, you know, like Messiah said, that nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him, so you come to him. All right, so you have this curtain, this tent, and you go in, and he even mentioned that I'm the bread of life where it has the bread there, the showbread, but it also has the lampstand, and it's interesting in Revelation Messiah is talking to the churches and he says, you know, repent or else I will remove your lampstand from its place. So the church is a part of that being under that veil with Messiah, that that's the, 
that tree is a representation of the church because he says, make sure I walk amongst the golden lampstands and you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you're here. And, you know, no longer will I go to the Father for you, but you will go face to face because in me that I'm going to give my my body, I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice so that you can have full entry into it. And it made me think of this, the fact of in Hebrews, which why does Hebrews get ignored by churches a lot of the time? Because Hebrews goes through a history lesson of the Old Testament and explaining the Old Testament and the transference to the new covenant, what it means and what it's about. But if you don't go through the Old Testament, you're not going to be able to understand that because the veil is still being in place where where you don't understand, you don't see the aspect of you must get away from sin and that Messiah came to put, take sin away forever by the sacrifice of himself. Well, you're not going to follow that or understand it because you haven't understood it from the Old Testament to the the New Testament perspective. And in Hebrews, it says, once enlightened, you've tasted the heavenly gift. You've tasted the goodness of God and the, the powers and the ages to come, and then you fall away. So somebody that would come and be, oh my gosh, uh, in Hebrews, I think I've, uh, I did what Hebrews said. No, if you don't have circumcision of the heart, you're, you're not capable of that. Because to be enlightened means that you would have mother coming to live within your heart. And, and that's why it says that once enlightened, meaning that you've been enlightened, that mother's in your heart, and then it's already done. So you're enlightened. So you know God now. So if you were to sin from that point, it's an intentional thing and there is no sacrifice that's left, um, but just the expectation of fire and judgment. So this is just, I remember this as I was driving over, I thought about, I'd ask Yah years ago that Yah, let me be the one to present the tabernacle lesson. And we're not done with the tabernacle lesson because the tabernacle, there's so much detail and this explains the veiling process because it is just like you said that I'm not going to go to work and just storm into, I'm not going to drive to the state where my company's from and just barge into the CEO's office unannounced or on a, no, you don't have authority to do that. Now, because I'm an employee of that company, if it was arranged and it was, okay, you're going to go visit and I know you're coming and you've got the clearance then. And it's the same thing with God that once you, you have the access and you've been through it, that you have the capability to, talk to Yah face to face, but it's the way that you approach them because all this detail, it even goes deeper because in the new Testament, how did Yeshua teach the people? He brought parables or parables are the spiritual teaching of God that are veiled that I teach them in parables because they have ears that have been, deafened and they have eyes that have been closed unless they would turn and I would heal them. Well, if they would turn to me, I would explain, but do you notice that the disciples came to him privately and they said, Lord, what does these things mean? And he says to you, it's for you to know the things of heaven, but for them it is not because it's still because of the hardening of their heart. They haven't got to where they've repented to Abba that no, it's coming to parables for you because it's veiled for you that even though you see, you're not going to see. And it's just like you had said, it makes perfect sense. The parables are so that you see, but you don't see that you can see 
all right, here's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And yeah, I can see there's a vineyard and I can, but I don't get it. I don't, how does this work? Well, with the help of Yah, do you see that the workers in the vineyard are the ones that are seeking after faith in God and the ones that there's going to be ones that come in and stay a while? Don't boast against those that come in later. Understand the reward that you've been given by grace and by faith in the Son. Don't grumble against each other. You know, so there's lessons that are hidden, but we're privy to the information because we're in the company, we're in the faith circle, that for us it is to know it. But to those that aren't seeking with all their heart, that, like you said with where you work, that it's not for me to just to barge in and demand answers. They would say, hey, go outside or we're going to call the police. You're not coming in here. You're not coming in the offices. You're not you're not looking at anything. So you need to just get away unless you follow the step process where you're an employee and you've applied and you've done what's necessary then. Okay. Now you come in, but you're not going to do the CEO's job unless you're the CEO. So you just do your, your position that you have and you be okay with your lot and your portion, unless you move up or you, you do something else. And that's, what's just so, just thinking about this because when you turn to God, that God will give you what you need. They will unveil what you need to know. And, but you must go through the, the uh, process that, that is necessary for it. Like you're not going to come in and on day one, get circumcision of the heart before you come to repentance and obedience. You're not going to be able to understand it. And, even the ones that were even working the tabernacle, only the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies just once a year. So if you were a priest, if you were Aaron's son, one of Aaron's sons, you didn't just barge into the most holy place. You couldn't go in. It was just the high priest. And only the priest could do the duties to go into the holy place. So not just anybody in the courtyard could just go in and do the priestly duties. I mean, it was a very serious ritualistic thing that you had to do this step by step. But what Yah was doing was, is they were giving the physical representation of the spiritual. So it's giving you the physical so that you can understand the spiritual. And it makes sense that, and Messiah said this, if I give you earthly things and you do not understand, how can you understand spiritual? And what he was saying was the old Testament is where you go to understand the physical so that you will understand my teaching. That's the only way because when Abba sees that you see him as a tear and you've repented to him, okay, now you'll be able to understand spiritual things, but you're not going to understand it unless you go to the, the um, Old Testament first. And it's a must because they didn't have the New Testament. When they were around, like when Yeshua called his disciples, you know, Matthew wrote a letter. I mean, he wrote about the experiences. It wasn't that he was preaching something new. He was just, you know, putting in there what Messiah did. And Messiah referenced the Old Testament. Paul referenced the Old Testament. They didn't negate or get or do away with it. They referenced it numerous times. And him coming to fulfill what was written about him, how would they know that it was fulfilled if they didn't understand the Old Testament? Because it's written about me in the scrolls. That's the Old Testament so that you can understand who I am, what I'm doing. So this is just, just a deeper, just a, another thing of Yah, just to help us to understand. I mean, think about this, you get married and the bride is wearing a veil 
and you remove the veil, well, you remove the veil so you can see who you're marrying. And it's just like through this process, you get to understand, do you realize who you're going to be joined to? It's the son of God. Depart from sin because the son of God is not going to be joined to somebody that has sin. So it's even teaching that, think about it from the physical perspective of marriage, that marriage, and this was just talked about in the, the podcast yesterday, if you have sexual intercourse with somebody, you are married to that person. Um, it's a union. It, it's a coming together, and that will produce children, which once a child is produced, you can't separate the mother and father from that child. No matter what you do, it wouldn't matter if you killed them, cut them in two. You can't separate the two people out. And that's the thing is this is a prearranged marriage and Yah goes through each step and each veil is lifted. So you can see, do you see that this is a prearranged marriage to my son? It's a serious thing. My son is not going to be joined to a prostitute. He's not going to be joined to a harlot. That's why he came so that sin could be taken away so that his body, which is unified has no sin in it. Therefore Messiah has no sin in him. He's not going to be joined to somebody that has sin. And that's the reason why the body of Messiah are those who have circumcision of heart that have sin removed from them so that the bride of Messiah will be joined to him, unified, without sin, pure and holy. But these things, if you don't have these veils lifted, you can't understand that. And you just think that, well, it's okay to, to believe in Jesus and sin and then ask for forgiveness and then keep sinning over and over again. And it's not the way it is because that's Messiah is not going to be joined to, to sin. I mean, it's very clear from the word of God. So this is just a great lesson just to see if you're not understanding the, the things of God from where you've been, that what is still veiled to you, what must you do in order to have the veils removed? Well, go back, seek with all your heart, seek for me and you'll find me. I'll remove the veil so you can find me. And then you can find my son and you can find my, my spirit. So do what you, if you don't do what your part is for, if you don't do what is necessary and you're in, then you're not going to, Yah's not going to remove the veil. The veils will still stay in place for you, but just do what is necessary so that you can find this and have those veils removed for yourself. And I want to bring up a important uh, aspect it's very important for people to understand when we're talking about uh, making these decisions in the threefold aspect of repentance, obedience, and trust. <clears throat> that again, because of the fear of God, you repent to them. Uh, and then in that repentance, you believe in them. And then you obey through Messiah and you trust your mother. Here's something that people really need to know. Uh, because this has really been not the way that it's been driven uh, in mainstream church, at least here in uh, this time that we're living in, that do not, do not, do not make a decision in the midst of an emotional flood. I don't care what that flood is, whether it's anger, whether it's happy, whether you feel good spiritually, whatever it is, do not refrain from making a decision in the midst of that. Because in, if you make a decision in the midst of that, in order for you to retain that, you have to remain in that condition that you were in. 
So the objective goal is, and I'm not saying don't have an emotional response when you know you're broken before God, you know, have that emotional response, have that emotional breakdown, but don't make any decisions in the midst of it because that's what happens is the emotions overruling and you're not able to see that when you come back to your normal state of mind, that's going to wane because you didn't make it in an area in your mind where you're just uh, calm and uh, thinking rationally. You're not letting the emotion drive what you're doing. And it's really important for this aspect for a veil to be lifted that yes, have an emotional breakdown because you recognize that who you are before God and God is a terror to you. Well, you should feel that, but don't make a decision for repentance in the midst of that. Wait till your the emotion is passed and then use the emotion and what happened to evaluate. Okay. Wow, I had this breakdown. Why did I have the breakdown? And go through a realistic point of view with it. And then in a calm with with knowledge perspective, make a decision. And do that in each step in the process. Because too many people in this day and age are driven to an emotional breakdown and we have no problem with somebody having a, an emotional breakdown uh, with God. That's part of the journey that you're going to have an emotional breakdown. And if you don't, then you're not going to have faith in God. But what God wants people to know is you are not sober minded at that point. And so God doesn't want you making any decisions without sober judgment. And that includes decisions for them or against them. They want people to have good knowledge so that they can pledge to God with good knowledge that this is what I recognize, this is what I understand, and this is what I'm going to do. And so this is a a big part of things that people need to know in order to make sure that you're making good decisions, you know, because how many times have people in a fit of rage pulled a trigger or thrust a knife or swung a blunt object? And then when they return to their normal state of mind, it's, oh my gosh, what have I done? And now with God, it's the same concept is don't jump to, oh, yeah, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, you know, uh, every eye bow, every eye closed and every head bowed. And, uh, you know, now that you're, you're here and you're crying and you're weeping and pray this prayer and come on up front. And that's not going to last. It's not going to last because you're making that decision not with sober judgment. And again, we're not saying don't have an emotional flood. It's, it's okay. It's a part of the journey to have an emotional flood. 
what we're saying is don't make any decisions in the midst of the emotional flood when you are not sober-minded. You are not thinking consciously uh, well enough to be able to make a good decision that's going to stick. And that's why a lot of people will go to a camp or a, a retreat and they'll get this spiritual high and they'll make these decisions while they're in this spiritual high. But then when reality kicks in and they're back to normal life, they can't maintain that. Why? Because they have to have that spiritual high to be able to maintain that. And you're not going to have that spiritual high with you all the time. Now, when you make a decision based in good knowledge, then it doesn't matter whether you're spiritually high or you're spiritually low. Whether you're emotionally high or you're emotionally low, you've made a decision in sober judgment that this is what I'm going to do. And that is what you have the greatest ability to carry out if you persevere and endure through it, because it's going to be a difficult journey, no matter how you look at it. It is not an easy journey of faith, but it is a well-worthy journey of the what we gain in the end. It's certainly worth going through. But it is not, is not an easy journey. Now, as, and we've said this before, as time goes on, you grow and you increase in faith. It becomes uh, easier as you go, not easier because weights are lifted, but easier because you've got stronger and you can lift heavier weights. And so we just continue to learn and grow. But that was something that just came to mind uh, again, as you were talking, to think about telling people that as you're looking for the veil to be lifted and you're seeing what you can see, and some of it's going to drive you to a broken state, don't make a decision in the brokenness. Have the brokenness, have the spiritual high, have those things, but then come to a sober mind and evaluate it with the truth of God, and then make a decision that you know with absolution that you're going to fulfill because you've set it in absolution in your mind. And it's just a beautiful aspect to see again with the scripture talking about, you know, be of sober judgment, that that includes decisions for God just as it as much as it does as decisions to, you know, uh, go get pleasure in the world or to go into fits of rage and anger and those types of things. It, it's just as important all the way around for consistency's sake that you are able to have sober judgment and people listening when you do this, I promise you, you will see that they are decisions that you will be able to carry out, unlike the decisions that you've made in the past based on an emotional flood, not being sober-minded. And you know, you know who you are. 
and you know where you've been and you know the events that you've gone to and you know the things that you professed in the midst of those events, are you still uh, committed to all of those things that you professed? And if you have to continually go somewhere to get a spiritual high, that's telling you that there's a problem. You're making decisions uh, in a drunken state of mind, in an emotional drunken state of mind, not drunk from uh, alcohol, but drunk from a feeling of good that then you say and do things that are not good. How many people have gone out and gotten tattoos because they got uh, really drunk and they just weren't uh, looking at it in sober, sober judgment and they went and got a tattoo and or many other different things that people do in that state of mind, but you can do it in anger. How many people in anger have killed somebody and then they end up killing themselves because once they start to return to their normal mind, then they have to deal with the reality and they can't handle the fact that they killed somebody and so they take their own life. I mean, that's just the fact of it. You're making uh, decisions without being sober. And so I would speak to anybody who listens to this, who's seeking God with all of your heart, who wants to know the truth, that make sure that whatever emotional floods you have and have them, it's good. Use those as a catalyst, as a, a catapult to propel you to evaluate why did I feel like that? What is the issues involved? And am I committed to this for life? And that's a decision either for God or against God. And it, that's, to me, that was just really one of the huge uh, understandings that people who are seeking God within all of their heart that will be listening to these podcasts uh, need to put into practice so that they won't be making decisions in a drunken state, that they will be making good, sober-minded judgments, and they will be able to then fulfill every single judgment that they make in the midst of it and it doesn't matter how many they make if they do it in sober judgment they will be able to retain it stay away from the emotion it's so important with this that let god be the one that teaches you and we could sit there and say well then why are we doing the podcast well we're presenting the truth of God, but Yah is the teacher, meaning that if you want to understand it, it's God that will give you the ability to understand it, all three of them. Because like with the, like you talk about with being sober, well, you go to the other side of being drunk, right? If you've been drunk before, the alcohol is controlling you. So what Yah is saying is you control what you do. You be self-controlled, you be sober, to where you get pulled over and they'll say, you know, we want to do a breathalyzer. Have you been drinking? No, I haven't been. And I don't have anything to fear because I'm not drunk. I'm not. But when you're drunk, see, that's the thing. Drunkenness isn't just alcohol. 
drunkenness means you're doing something because, and you don't know why you're doing it and you're out of control. You're drunk on whatever that issue is. Now we, we put drunkenness to alcohol and a lot of the misunderstanding is a lot of people think that, well, if you're a believer in God, you can't drink alcohol. We're not advocating that. What we're advocating is don't walk around, walk around in a drunken state, which means stop walking around doing things and not knowing why you're doing them. And that's the, the brainwashing and the mind control, the cognitive dissonance is that this is one where always going to come around to this because being drunk, there's cognitive dissonance. You don't know if you can't answer why you're doing something possibility, big possibility you're drunk and Oh, I didn't realize why I was doing that. Now I know why. Well, now you can be sober. And that's what y'all wants is make decisions where you know what you're doing because being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry is in that order because y'all knows that if you don't listen to yourself and you're getting ready to react, you're going to get angry and it's not going to be for a just reason. It's going to be a selfish reason. So I'm giving you the help and we're not saying don't get angry, but if you're going to get angry and it's for a right reason, then let the decision drive the emotion. And I want to bring this out. We're not saying that you don't have emotions and that it's not okay to, because we've had this before where, so you're saying I can't feel anything or I can't No, we're not saying that at all. What we're saying from Yah is let the truth drive the decision you make and that decision can have emotion with it, but don't let the emotion drive the decision because that's when you get the flood, the emotional flood is you flippantly make a decision because you're not thinking about why you're doing it and the real reason, or should I be doing this or not? Well, let me break this down. You just, you have a reaction instead of a response. And that's a key thing because self-control is, more and more you recognize what you're doing and your lower conscience and your upper conscience are in agreement and you know what you're doing. Realize that I'm doing this because it's true and that's why I'm doing it and it's fair and just. I'm not doing this to because it it's selfish or anything like that. And Because so much of this is from the programming of the world that people want everything to be the easy button. Well, I'll do it if it's easy or well, yeah, we're all sinners and Jesus died on the cross. It's all easy. No, anything in your life that has ease to it, there's something that you had to overcome and persevere and endure through to push through to get to the other side, no matter what it is. If there's something that for you is easy, you've had to overcome something. Something isn't just blanket easy. Like in order for you to master something, overcome something, you've got to go through a struggle to get to the other side of it. Like if you want to be able to run a marathon in order for mile 10, mile 11, mile 13, 14 to be ease for you, then you've had to overcome and persevere and endure past a certain point to build a strength for it in order to be able to do it. And that's the thing, the the truth of God, the gospel, this isn't for anybody to rush through, but it's not for you to just be lackadaisical and it's just, I'll just take my time and whatever. No, it's a healthy balance. That even we have this in the word of God that in Acts, that King Agrippa was talking to Paul and he said, you know, Paul, you almost convinced me to be a believer. And Paul told him, King Agrippa, short time or long, doesn't matter to me. 
you know, you, it's up to you how much, you know, time it takes is up to you. So with what we're talking about with the veiling, that it's a step-by-step process and you, you can't rush the process. Um, it just, it has to run its course. Like you've got to just, like the word says, seek for me and you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart, get on the journey of it. And just like when you go in school, when you're ready to go to the next step, y'all will make it clear when you're ready for the next step and you just focus on what's ahead of you, you know, and just keep moving forward and what you're doing and y'all will make it clear and bring you to each step. And if you rush through something, you're going to miss something along the way. If not one thing, multiple things along the way, because you're rushing. Now, there is an importance of don't delay. And so where's the happy medium in the midst of it? Well, the happy medium in the midst of it is do diligence. You, you be diligent in seeking after God with all of your heart. Be consistent in seeking after God with all of your heart. We also want people to know that though you're going to have those emotional floods, the objective is to be learning more and more how to control your emotions. Because again, with faith, we're called to be self-controlled. And that means that we don't go to excessive ends in laughter or crying or um, anger you know, any kind of emotion that you might have, the objective is still to control it. But there will be times where you'll have an emotional flood. It'll, you know, it'll just come out um, because a situation happens or something happens. uh, And that's not the, that's like you were saying. And like we said, it's not a bad thing, but you want to be sober and, you know, sober doesn't just talk to alcohol. You know, drug abuse is the same thing that, you know, you get high. And if you're not high, then you're sober. Uh, that's the objective goal is we want to be making thing, decisions based in a sober judgment and making good, rational decisions. And you cannot do that in an emotional state of mind, but you can do it in a peaceful, calm state of mind. And it's necessary for us as we walk the journey, because you should have a breakdown of the fear of God and you have the emotion of fear rise up within you. And then you you have to, you deal with that, After that goes by, wow, I have fear because of punishment and I don't want to be punished and God, I'll do whatever it is that you, you want me to do. I believe you. I believe in you. I believe that what you're, uh, what you're doing is right and fair and just. And so I turn my life completely over to you. Okay. Now you've repented in a sober judgment. And you will be able to carry that out. And as you prove that to Abba, then 
he will introduce you to Messiah because nobody comes to Messiah except drawn by the Father. And then nobody comes to the Father unless they go through the Son first. So what that's saying is Abba brings you to his Son first, but you don't have that personal relationship with Abba until the end after you've gone through Messiah and Mother, the Spirit. And once you go through that, now you've, you're brought to that uh, relationship of friendship with Abba, and they're no longer a terror to you, and there's no need for you to fear anything. It's not just, well, we don't fear God, but it's okay to fear other things. No. It, when If you don't have to fear God, when you find that place where you don't have to fear God, then there is nothing, absolutely nothing on the face of the earth that we should fear. And so because of that, we work in a process of perfect love driving out fear. So if you find something in your lower conscience that brings you fear, then you deal with it. No, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that because I have faith in God and God is my rock and my shield, my strong tower. So I'm going to do what they want and whatever happens in this world doesn't matter because I'm going to be with them in eternity. And that's the beauty thing. That's the hope of salvation is the removal of fear. When you have the hope of salvation, that's when you're able to start driving fear out because no, I, if I don't fear God, God is the, the one that has the, the most power anywhere and I'm, I have found favor in them, then I don't need to fear anything at all. And again, you go through that process of letting the perfect love of God drive out that fear. And it's just a constant reminder of, no, uh, God's got this. It's going to be okay. I'm not worried about this at all. And you, you through brainwashing and mind control, uh, that's a part of the, when you practice this, then you get better and better at doing it as you learn and grow in the midst of it. And so as we talk about the veil, all these things are necessary things for you to be able to have the veils lifted, you know, because God knows that when you make a decision in a, in a uh, emotional state of mind and you make a decision for them, they know it's not going to stick. That's why they say be of sober judgment because they know that it's not going to stick. So have your emotional, recognize it, and then use it to propel you in faith and in a process of seeking God with all of your heart, you do your due diligence and God will show you what the next step is, whether it comes through somebody else uh, revealing it to you because God put them in that position to do so. Or if you're on a remote island somewhere and there's nobody around, God themselves will tell you exactly what. And we know that they'll do that because they talk to their people. You know, even Messiah said that I know my sheep and my sheep hear my voice. That 
they, he didn't say, well, when everybody gets to the kingdom, my sheep are going to hear my voice and they're going to know. He was talking about people who have faith in him will hear his voice and will follow him. And that's how we know that we're children of God. This is really cool. I was just sitting here and got information on further explanation of the, um, in the courtyard with the brazen altar and the uh, basin for washing that once you repent to Abba and the veil is lifted, that you realize who you are. You see God as a terror that you repent and your focus is you realize like it says, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Well, when you sin, you confess it, just like the word says in John, First John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So when you confess your sin to Abba, in that picture, an animal has to be sacrificed. Well, in the aspect is you sacrifice that by your repentance of I'm not doing that again. I disagree with this. I'm not doing that again. You put that to death. And then because of that, you have cleansing of that sin. You're forgiven, which is that basin for washing. So it's given a physical picture of the repentance process. It isn't just that you say, oh, yep, all have sinned and fall short of the." No, it's a personal thing where, all right, something has to die here because there has to be a sacrifice. And your sacrifice in repentance is, I'm never doing that again. I don't care how many times it comes up. I'm not doing that anymore. Okay. Then you get forgiveness, but it doesn't stop there because once you're tested in that, what does it say? Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Well, Messiah's name is salvation. That's what Yeshua means. So that leads you to the Holy of Holies. What I find fascinating about this is that this is just giving more clarity and more detail on what Yah is already teaching us and we're able to present to those listening that the Old Testament makes the gospel message clear. So if you had no New Testament, just by the gospel message, the gospel message is in the Old Testament. It's in the tabernacle that you have every step that you need for the gospel message all the way in the tabernacle, because what happened in the fullness of it? What did they do when they broke down the tent? They took the Ark of the Covenant with them wherever they went. And they carried it and they crossed the Jordan and carried the ark into the promised land, the fullness of deity and bodily form, the body of Messiah, having the fullness of everything within that ark of the covenant. And you become that you carry the ark by you walking as Messiah did, because think about it. You have the fullness of deity and bodily form. You have the stone tablets. You have Abba, the law. You have the jar of manna, which is Yeshua. And you have Aaron's rod that budded, which is mother, which produces the fruit of the spirit. So you have the fullness of God with you contained within you. And look what's on top of the lid, which is called the mercy seat is you have the two cherubim of glory that are bowing down, which that shows the humility that it takes to walk as Yeshua did. And you still have ministering spirits, those cherubim that are there with you ministering and helping you along the journey. So the the detail that Yah has given is just so clear that mankind
because of the brainwashing and mind control and the cognitive dissonance that how many veils have you put up with cognitive dissonance that you're not willing to take down so that the truth of God can come in because you see God with all your heart. You're, you're going to come to, you're going to be hiding behind a veil. I don't know if I want to accept that. Well, you have to tear down your veil in order to, you know, let God in because, you know, we've got, we talked about this before you build walls that you veil up things that you don't want to deal with, but you've, you've got to unveil it and be willing to tear down your walls and stop self-preservation with self-preservation. Like how many veils and hidden things do we have that are veiled that you're not going to let anybody see? Well, in order for y'all to come in, you got to be willing to take those things down and be willing to deal with them and, and deal with yourself. Um, and I was just even thinking about the veil that a veil is a covering. I mean, if there's something that you don't know, Yah has the answer. It's veiled. And, you know, you seek after answers, you know, ask, seek and knock and we'll unveil this to you and, and show you what it means. So it's not just, yes, there's a veil process in this, but there's a lot of things that are veiled that we have access to. But Yah says, no, that's going to stay veiled. Like what was the, um, I think it was in Revelation, like the seven thunders. And well, that's veiled right now. It's not for you to just hold that for now. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to know it, but you know, hold that or, you know, what's the new Jerusalem about? No, it's veiled right now for you. Cause we even put this to a government clearance perspective. Um, cause you've um, dealt with working with government before yourself that you have security clearance levels. Well, you get to circumcision of the heart. I mean, you're given, you're given clearance, but just because you're given clearance, it's not for you just to go in and just get all the information and all the files. They'll say, well, what, what reason do you have to do this? You know, that that's not a reason. So just, it's not for you to know that right now, but you have access, but with more access brings more responsibility. And that's the thing, like with circumcision of the heart, more responsibility is there and you're going to be treated as such. So just be very careful what information you're doing, what information you give out, because you have these secrets of the kingdom and it's not for you to just go out on the street and just give all the kingdom information. Now, if somebody is in a right mindset that, or they're in a certain position, yeah, you can give them. And that's what Messiah is saying. Don't just go out and just throw the pearls of the kingdom to the swine because they're not going to respect it. They're not going to use it properly. They're going to trample it. And then you're the one that loses in that because you've just given secrets out and they don't even care about it. So be very careful how you present the message to people and people that are in the right, have the right um, process, they're in the right place, then I'm going to do that. And Messiah did that to the disciples. And I've said this earlier on the podcast that to them, it's not for them to know the secrets of the kingdom, but for you it is. Why? Because you're inside the circle. That it's for you to know the things of the insurance company or whatever. But what's going to happen if I just say, okay, well, I want everybody to know what we're doing. So I'm just going to tell everybody, well, that comes back against the company. Then there's going to be discipline. No, you don't do that. That's not beneficial. Don't do that. It's the same thing with the things of God. Don't just flippantly throw this stuff out there. It's not for that. You know, be very careful what you're doing. Yeah. And it's interesting as well, because when 
the word of God, when somebody says the word of God, okay, technically people believe that the New Testament is the word of God. Now, is there truth of God in that? Yes, no, no question about it. But what's interesting is, is that really the word of God is the Old Testament. Uh, that's what Messiah was using when he was speaking to the people and his disciples. Uh, that's what the writers of what we call the New Testament were doing, was they were referencing in their letters the word of God, which was the law and the prophets. Um, and I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that uh, Paul would be appalled that what he wrote in a letter would have been considered the word of God, not meaning it's not the truth of God, but he would not have accepted that glory or that place of it being the word. He would have said, no, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets is the word of God. Uh, just like Messiah t told the rich man in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, you have Moses and the prophets or they have Moses and the prophets, let them believe them. And so if you think that you can't get anything from the Old Testament, then you're sorely mistaken and you're sadly mistaken. Even though you can't understand the depth of it, you can understand what there is to understand. And it's interest, interesting as well because in Ephesians, uh, and this is talking, this aspect's talking to husbands and wives, and this happens just to just be something that the husband's uh, part of doing, uh, and the husband is mentioned at the beginning, and then it goes into saying what uh, what the way a husband for, should cheat, treat their wife should be the same as what Messiah was doing here, and it says, "Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, and gave Himself up for her." to make her holy and cleansing by the washing with water through the word. What did Messiah do? Well, he was teaching them the, what the law and the prophets were saying. He was teaching them the true uh, understanding and the concepts. And so this goes to a husband and a wife that are claiming faith in God that if you're a husband and you want to help your wife uh, to improve and get better, then you have to you have to do the cleansing by washing with through the word, which means that you have to be able to dig into the Bible to be able to show her the right and the wrong. She still has to choose whether she wants to be cleansed, but if you're doing these things in accordance with what God says, then she's going to fall in line with that. And so the objective goal is if you have something, a point you want to get across to a wife as a husband, then make sure you use the word of God, not, well, because I said so, or, well, it's the right thing. And no, give a good answer. And a good answer is, okay, well, do you see where in the word of God we'll say with submission? Do you see where it talks about uh, Sarah and how Sarah was submissive to Abraham and even that uh, she called him master, even that she called, she recognized or said that he was his, uh, he was her brother uh, so that 
eye. Abraham would be shown favor and she did all those things showing the submissive. So you're using the word of God, which is the law and the prophets in order to cleanse her because if she recognizes that and adheres to it and you can take it to, okay, we're talking about submission. So let's go to the Proverbs 31 woman and recognize yourself that she's allowed to do other things. You don't, she's her objective goal submission is not, you have to tell her everything she does and she has to do exactly that. No, it's, she's spiritual and you approve of her. So you let her do what she does because her concern is about making sure that everything's taken care of for the family. And so you're using the word of God to cleanse her. You're not using your own thoughts or your, your own, uh, sometimes emotions get involved and well, I know it's right. Well, you're just supposed to submit. The Bible says so. Yeah, but we have great examples of submission through the, the Old Testament. We have uh, a great example of submission through Deborah, one of the judges. We have a great example of submission through Esther and Ruth. And you can just, uh, the uh, Rahab, that we have these great examples in the Old Testament to explain what the New Testament is telling people because the New Testament, why did they say cleanser with washing with water through the word? Because anything you that you want to direct to your wife from a godly perspective and a godly principle, it's in the Old Testament. It's, it's there and you just have to look for it and you have to be able to present it without taking it uh, personal and you have to be able to do it without uh, wrong emotions involved in the midst of it. And that was just uh, an aspect of scripture that came to mind uh, mainly to let us know that the there is a veil that covers the old Testament, but when you come to faith, then we continually use the Old Testament to continually cleanse ourselves with washing with water through the word. You know, well, God said this to the Israelites. Am I doing that? If I am, I'm changing that because I don't want to uh, do anything that's contrary to what God wants. And so I'm going to change my ways on that. And then something else. And you just go through cleansing yourself with washing with water through the word. Wasn't there, I don't know if it's in the same place as that, but I'm, it's coming to mind something about when a husband treating his wife that makes sure that you treat her with respect so that your prayers will not be hindered. So it just made me think of like if you're, your conversational time with Yah is being hindered, is there something going on how you're treating your spouse or vice versa? The same with the wife, how you treat the husband? Because that wouldn't be in there um, if it's not, you know, making sure because if you're not doing it right, then what you request is going to be hindered, not because of God, but because of you and what you're doing. But I had not thought of it that way of like, when you cleanse something with water, you're washing it. Like you're you know, digging it down and moving it around and, and getting it all cleansed. And cause you know, those times when you cleanse something and it just how refreshing it is when you get it cleansed properly. And, and from a spiritual perspective, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, but 
yeah, with the, yeah, this, it was just interesting because this afternoon just had this, the, the veil aspect on my mind to where realize that when you're speaking to somebody else, if even Messiah said, this is that the people that were doing things to him, father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. They realize that they're blind to this. They don't understand what this is. If they really knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be doing it. And even Messiah got on the people that were not just everyday people. It was the people that were claiming that they had the truth of God, that he went after them and said, blind gods, you know, you two blind people, both of you fall into a pit while well, you're blind because, you know, what was the, the, the one story where he had said a story about it was the blind man because he, um, he couldn't see that his sin was taken away. And because you see your sin remains and they're like, are we sinners too? And it's like, yes. And it's, it's because the cognitive distance, because that's no different than the way we were before the faith that we had, you know, in the world before faith in God, if you're just, you would be sitting there fighting with him, like, well, who are you to tell me that this is wrong? You know, you think you got the market cornered on all this stuff or you got, and it's like, I'm just presenting the truth to you and you can reject it. You can do whatever you want with it, but the truth of God doesn't need to be defended. I'm just giving it to you the way it is. If you want to take it to heart, believe it, that that's up to you. But the, the other side of this with the question of why are you not understanding? It's just the other side of this is once the veil is lifted, I can see now that's why Messiah was telling the people or told his father, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because you've had the veil lifted and you have understanding of the truth of God. Then you can be understanding to somebody that doesn't understand. That's the, like with the mercy that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. How can you show mercy to somebody if you don't understand the mercy that's been shown to you first? And that's the key in this. It just, and I've had this a few times recently with questions that mother will give that there's a, a depth of meaning just like for, or, you know, why are you not, or you could put it this way. Why are you not being understanding? Well, it's the same thing, but it just, when you speak to people, well, I don't understand why this person's doing that to me. Are you, but are you understanding? Do they have faith in God? Do they, do they really realize what they're doing? Just like, like you said with insurance, because I understand insurance, there's so many people that don't, but if you sit there and say, well, this person's an idiot cause they don't understand. Well, then what are you being an idiot in that you don't understand? Do you want that person talking to you that way? because you don't know something. And my answer is no. Okay. Then you don't talk to somebody that way either, because there's something that you don't know, even in your faith, that is that the way you want to be spoken to. So why are you not being understanding so that you can be now be understandable so that you can have understanding from other people? Like you go to somebody, Hey, I really need some help with this. I'm really not understanding. But even if somebody comes to you and says that, or they say, well, I don't understand, you need to give it to me. All right, well, uh, I'm going to explain this to you. And well, or either if they keep just coming back at you, look, you're not in a place where you you're understandable right now. So we're not going to talk about this or we're not going to, but this is just showing a help to us because of what Yah has given us recently about complaining is that be very quick to listen and slow to speak because 
can you understand where this person is coming from? Have you been in that situation yourself? And do you remember what that was like so that you can have that mercy on somebody to say, wow, they really, this is new to them. They don't understand it. How would I want to be spoken to? I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say that. Or so this, I just see this as a help for us that because of the understanding we have, we should have and keep moving in a greater level of understanding where people are coming from. It doesn't mean that we coddle people. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything. It just means to have that, that understanding of, all right, I can see that this person doesn't know what they're doing, or I can see that this is my battle is not against them. And just to help us with presenting this message to people. And there's a key factor. And if you can say that I don't understand, then you probably should shut your mouth and not complain about somebody else or what they're doing. Because here's the thing. Why does, why does the Bible say if somebody asks you to go a mile with them, go to, you know, and then there's sayings in the world of, I uh, have you walked a mile in their, in their shoes? Because if you can sit there and say, well, I don't understand. Well, that's another worldly representation of an explanation of a veil that covers your eyes. And until you walk where they've walked, until you do what they've done, until you've lived the life that they've lived, then the veil can't be lifted for you. But if you walk with them and you talk with them and you learn and you understand, they give you understanding, then you can understand instead of not understanding. But in order to do that, the veil has to be lifted. Well, how is how is the veil lifted? If you're just going to berate somebody and put them down because you don't understand, why is it their problem that you don't understand? You know, because again, it's like, you know, people talk about common sense and some people, they just don't have any common sense. And well, everybody has common sense because when you look at the word common sense, it's not a... Common sense does not mean sensible logic. Common sense just means your sense is drawn by what's common to you. And what's common to you may not be common to me unless we spend time together. And the more time we spend together, the more we will have the same common sense. And that's why people in specific cultures will have the same sense and understanding but then cross that with a completely different culture and both don't understand the other one. Why? Because there's a veil that you can't see. You can see that there's their people and they're doing things, but you can't understand. You can't see to understand unless you live their life, unless you do what they've done. That's how you can understand. Aside from that, there, there's a veil that still sits there unless you can correlate something that happened in your life to something that happened in their life. And then when you do that, now you're starting to make a connection and why would there be the frustration and aggravation? It wouldn't be, it would just subside and go away. And so this is just another important perspective as we talk about this, that when you, come in a situation a lot of times it come in frustration i don't understand why you're doing this well 
we should stop and say, wow, I don't understand why this person is doing this. Let me evaluate their life. Let, let me figure out what they've been through in their life that I haven't been through that puts them in this position to feel this way or to act this way or to do these things because inevitably there's something that is driving that and it's common to them, but it's not common to you. And so we just really want to be careful when we don't understand something. There's no need to be frustrated if you don't understand why somebody doesn't get what you're saying. If you want them to understand, then you have to take them on a journey through your life and through the circumstances that surround whatever it is that you want them to learn. And so this is uh, just a continued avenue of being able to see that veil perspective. And again, we've said this before, Yah has conveniently placed everything spiritual in the worldly so that people are, with, are without excuse. So you can't say, well, I didn't understand the whole veil thing. And yeah, you did. You just didn't dig into it to correlate it to the truth of God. But you understood it because if you can sit there and look at somebody else and say, well, I don't understand why, then you understand that there's veil that, that separates you from that person. Same concept as the, the veil that separates you from God. And so it's all in, it's built into humankind and the things that we do in order that there is no excuse for anybody who stands before God at the white throne judgment. Well, yeah, that's just an interesting point is that things that are, I mean, things that we don't know about God right now are veiled and it's not that, you know, that we can't know them. It's just, it might just be as simple as, well, if you ask and seek after it, then, you know, I'll reveal that to you or mysteries or things like that. Like, a, you know, like something like, and I'm thinking from your house on the other side, it's maybe like a water pipe or something, but there's a door there and something is veiled. I don't know what's behind the door. Well, the way to, to find out is to open the door, remove the veil and, and look in there and just dig into what it is because what's the name of the, the podcast we have is hidden treasures revealed. Well, there's treasures that are veiled until they're revealed. You know, you go digging for it. The treasure is veiled until it's opened up and you can see it. So really sometimes things are veiled for a protection and for a functional reason that no, we're not, we're going to leave this veiled for now because we need to have this. We want to present this teaching to you and this concept so that when this other thing is unveiled, then, oh, that's the reason why well, that makes sense. Well, I'm glad that it came that way because now I can understand it. And that makes more sense in regards to the aspect. But um, we're called, because the word of God talks about this, we're called to be ministers of a new covenant with unveiled faces. You know, not like Moses where he put a veil over his face for a time. But you think about it, we're circumcision of the heart. We have the brightness of Messiah within us that, we are with unveiled faces giving the ministry of the new covenant, the, the, um, the ministry of the spirit, which brings life, but we're not walking around with our faces veiled. Now for a time it was like that to where, you know, but now with unveiled faces, we have hidden treasures revealed where, all right, well, 
while yeah, we have the capability to get out the gospel message out to the ends of the earth. And even Messiah said, preach the gospel message all the, to the, all the ends of the earth. And so it's very interesting. So we'll wrap it up for the podcast this evening. Phil, is there anything that you'd like to add or nothing? Okay. Well, just to encourage everybody with, with the aspect of the veil that the word of God goes very deep and the, the Bible, as we said before, is for the unbeliever, but come to a point where you believe in God, that you live by the word of God, not just the Bible, but just encourage everybody that's listening out there that just think about this veiling and that there are three different veils and Yah will walk you through those as you seek with all your heart. And the gospel message is explained in the tabernacles we went over. So uh, just a reminder, we have a podcast this on Saturdays at six o'clock AM Eastern time. Uh, we uh, hear seven thirty on Tuesdays. We also have a um, email address. If you'd like to send us an email, it's hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com. We also have hidden treasures revealed the Facebook page where we have updates from time to time and, you know, have the podcast that's available. So I'm just thankful to y'all that we're able to do this and to um, present the truth and, Um, Until next time, hope everybody has a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.